Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. You guys ready to dive into God's Word? So uh, this series, More Life, you see our our cute little graphic with all our little adventure symbols. And I was thinking about my great adventure, uh, great experience uh, in the wilderness uh, beyond fishing. Uh, that I just showed you. Uh, I one time was in Colorado and I was in Colorado Springs and I was with my buddies. And we're like, we're going to hike Pike's Peak. I think that's what it's called. And, and we're going to sleep in the mountains. And I'm like, okay, you know, like I'm, I'm fat fit. I can do this. Like I'm, I, I can, I can hike. I, I can go to the mountains and they packed the pack, you know, the, the little thing we're wearing. And I just assumed all we need is in that pack, food, water, shelter, a little wood to build us a tent. You know, like I, I thought everything was there. Well, anyway, we're hiking and I'm doing fine. Cause again, very athletic, doing fine marching, doing great. And we, we get to our resting point for the evening. And when we get to our resting point, um, I'm like ready to fill my water bottle up. And they're like, yeah, just where, I'm like, where's our big water jug for the weekend? They're like, just go to the, to the mighty river. And I was like, what do you mean? You, you guys didn't bring like, like water, filter, like, no, we're, we're living off the lands. I said, I'm going to die up here. So then, so then I'm like, whatever. So I'm like, if you're drinking it, well, I'll just kind of, you know, die together, whatever. So then I'm like, well, where's our tents? And they're like, tents? That's what your little yoga mat's for. Because I had this little blue little thing. And I'm like, I thought we were going to like do like yoga exercises up here. No, you're sleeping on this. There's no tent. We're roughing it. Like we're in the wild. We're men, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is for how many nights? So no chance. So so that night in the middle of the night, I mean the wind is whipping. I'm hearing wolves howl. I can hear Pocahontas singing all the colors of the wind. Like I am, I'm furious. By the way, like I'm so irritated because like this is not my thing. In fact, this is my experience from hell. To be honest with you. So the next morning, I had already been up all night. And again, I just want to be clear about something. So you're not judging me. The hiking, I was good. Maybe the best hiker. Okay. It it was the laying on the yoga mat for me. Anyway, get up the next morning. I'm like, guys, I love you. I'm not doing this. I'm out. I walked down the mountain by myself with my little pack. When I got down and I had service again, I called my mom's friend who lived in Denver. I said, I've been kidnapped. Please pick me up at the bottom of this mountain in Colorado Springs. And so I go to her house. I lay in her basement. I sleep for 15 hours. I wake up. She makes me a steak and all is right with the world. That was my great adventure. And I know some of you are judging me, okay? But we all kind of just vibe on different things, amen? It was an experience, though, that I never forgot. And I really want to teach you today or 
introduce you today to another great experience or experiences that you can have in your life. Experiences that are ongoing, an experience that is initial. And I wanna title this message, The Great Experience. The Great Experience. Look at your spouse next to you and tell them, I'm your great experience. <laughs> or somebody you wanna date, tell them, I'll be a great experience. <laughs> or if you just need friends, just don't say anything weird. <laughs> Here's what I believe. I believe the Christian life, I mean the true Christian life of faith is supposed to be so unbelievable and extraordinary. The, the Christian life of faith is supposed to be an adventure full of amazing experiences, ups and downs, wondering, God, where are you? And then he shows up and Experiences where you see God move in and through your life. Experiences where, where you know his presence and you know his voice and you feel that prompting and, and you do things you never thought you would do. I was uh, with somebody this week and they were talking about how they played music as a little kid and they felt compelled to learn and play music for their church. And they did. And when they were up there, they had this great satisfaction that they went and they worked hard on something for God and God met them there on the stage. Things that they would have never done apart from the local church and apart from the experiences we gain and get when we walk with Jesus. But I really want to teach us about an additional experience you can have through God's spirit that honestly initiates and activates the best part of your Christian journey. So as we walk through Acts, I want to recap Acts 1. Here's what happens in Acts 1. Acts 1 is interesting because really Jesus is kind of making a statement. Jesus is kind of making a statement that, um, hey, I'm about to get out of here. And he's introducing the disciples to this gift. He says, hey, I want you to wait. There's about 120 of them. I want you to wait for the gift that I'm going to send you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Wait, and, 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 and then he ascends. It's called the ascension, where he, he leaves for the final time in the flesh, right? He, after his resurrection, he comes back, he shows himself, and then he ascends, and the disciples are kind of just waiting. That's really a recap of Acts 1, and then they replace Judas with Matthias, and, and they're waiting on God. Which, by the way, I, I do think that this idea of waiting on the Lord is a forgotten art in our culture. Like, we used to, uh, we used to have Sunday night church. We, we do, actually, in our church. <laughs> but, like, Sunday night church, we used to wait. My pastor called it, we're just going to tarry. You ever heard that word? We're going to tarry. We're just going to wait on God. And boy, did we wait. About three hours in, God came or somebody made sure it seemed like God. <laughs> but it taught us some things, man. It, 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 you really want to hear God's voice. You really want to experience the power of God's voice. God is not a microwave and he, he's not a, a switch you just turn on. Okay, God, now. 
God comes where he's welcome. God comes when he's hungry. God comes when he wants to save. God does things on his time. And it's really our job to do off what the disciples did and what the apostles did and just wait on the Lord. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and I'm going to read Acts 2. But before I do, there is this quote that I really love. It's from a pastor. He says, I dislike hearing Christians say, I love the Holy Spirit, but not the weird stuff. The fundamental concept of God is beyond man's full understanding. His very existence is not natural, but supernatural. So I'm more worried when I can understand every aspect of God's actions because it leaves only the possibility that I have no ongoing relationship and I'm forming him into my own image instead of the other way around. If God's actions must fit into the framing of men's minds, well, otherwise we don't believe. And we never truly believed at all. Faith only begins when our understanding ends. And the mystique of God's spirit, his Holy Spirit often leaves man perplexed as to how, as to who, as to what. And in Acts chapter two, Luke the writer begins by spending one day, the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm sure you've read that or heard that passage before, but it is a powerful moment. It is the initiation of the church of Jesus Christ. Here's 120 normal people waiting on God. And all of a sudden, after waiting on him, when he seemed it was right, tongues of fire, they begin to speak in different languages, a mighty rushing wind, and these ordinary people became extraordinary people in a moment. I wonder if many of us are living ordinary Christian lives where we continue to struggle with the same things, not make any progress, not have some of the experiences that God might invite us to, not hearing his voice, staying in the same place, Living ordinary when God promised extraordinary. Is there experiences you are missing? Why the day of Pentecost? What is the day of Pentecost? Well, in the church calendar, actually last week was Pentecost. And this is important. You're going to have to really listen here because I'm, I'm going to do a little teaching in this message. Pentecost is the Jewish feast, one of three major feasts in the nation of Israel. This feast was always celebrated on the 50th day after the Passover festival. Pente is the Greek word for five, and the suffix koste indicates times 10. 
The feast commemorated God giving the law of Moses on Mount Sinai 50 days after the exodus of Egypt, after they leave slavery. So in a sense here, walking into their proverbial salvation. Seven, the number seven, appears multiple times through scripture. And it symbolizes, ready, completion, full maturity, or perfection. The Feast of Pentecost occurs seven weeks after Passover, plus one day. Because a week consists of seven days, Pentecost comes, listen, the day after seven times, seven days, which is a perfectly perfect period of time. Anyone try to do the math in their head? Go back later, look it up. But the whole point is, is Pentecost coming after seven times, seven days, which in biblical numerology is a perfect period perfect period of time. Why am I telling you this? Okay. Because God ordains this day to happen at the absolute perfect moment. So believers could experience full maturity and completion or in quotes, perfection through the Holy Spirit. Perfection. How? Matthew 5, 48. But you believer are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. How is that possible? First Peter 1.15, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. James 1.4, so let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. All right, let me explain this. In the Pentecostal movement, in, in ultra- charismania, if you will, and you've seen some of this on TV, uh, or maybe you've experienced some of this in church, or maybe you are new, new to Christ and you've never experienced any of this and you haven't been screwed up by some of us, okay? But, but, but there is this like legalism, perfectionism that sometimes gets attached to Pentecostalism. Things like no makeup, no movies, no secular music at all, no this, no that, skirts to your ankles, and on and on and on it goes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, You could even separate that from Pentecostal to holiness or Pentecostal holiness. Doesn't matter. I think what many of us have experienced is a missing of the point. It's not that we're not meant to live righteous and holy lives. It's not that grace doesn't call us to a higher standard because it does. It's just trying to fix everything in a way where you walk this perfectly straight line to give an outward appearance when on the insides or when in your private life, none of that aligns. And what it is, is you're trying to recreate a law that you cannot fulfill. When God sent his spirit, when Jesus says, I must go so my spirit can come, wait on the gift, what he was doing is he was leaving the perfecting work of who Jesus is to the Holy Spirit's work in us. So when you have an experience with God's spirit 
or an ongoing experience and relationship with God's spirit, what's happening is there's an ongoing perfecting work. When you are in sin, God's spirit is going, hey, there is something better for your life. When you are living mundane, non-experiential, same things over again, constant struggle, God's spirit is in you going, I want to open up your eyes to see that there's more for you. I want to speak to you to tell you to leap and take remarkable steps of faith because there's something better for the adventure of a life that you're living. God's spirit comes and begins to chip away at the things in our life that look more like the world than like Jesus. Why we need an experience with God's spirit and why God's spirit came and comes is because God's spirit enables us to actually look, live, and be holy. God's spirit reveals Jesus to us. And as God's spirit is on us, what God sees in us is Christ, his son. Do, do you know that in a sense, you can be perfect? And what I mean by that is, will you ever not sin? I'm pretty close. <laughs> but like... But as you are in an active relationship with God's spirit, it's a perfecting work. It is an ongoing work that he will not stop working on you, changing you, transforming you, renewing you until the day your body expires and until you're with Jesus. And because of his spirit active in you, you confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And honestly, you stand before God pure and you have access to the holy room where you can boldly come and say, here is my petitions. Here is my prayers. Why did God send his spirit? Well, you've got these ordinary people who now, without Jesus in the flesh walking around with them, they cannot be as extraordinary as before. Yet Jesus tells them in John 14, hey, you ordinary guys and gals, you're going to do even greater things than I did. Well, Jesus, we're not sure how that's possible because you were raising the dead, healing people of diseases. You were breaking bread and lots more people were eating. I mean, it was magic, Jesus. How are we going to do this? And this is why Jesus says, because when they're hearing that, you got to imagine yourself, Jesus saying to you in your ordinary state, hey, you're going to do, I know you just watched me raise somebody from the dead. I, I know you've seen some crazy stuff where a guy came down the roof and he's, he's paralyzed. And then all of a sudden at my word, he's not anymore. I know that your body warms up and you Feel this overwhelming sense of heaven when you're with me. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you're going to see and do even greater because I am sending you the advocate, the gift. And because the Holy Spirit comes, I will allow myself to never leave you or forsake you. That's why the Holy Spirit came. Their moment, this moment, this Pentecost moment, 
It initiates the greatest move of God in history. It fulfills the prophets of old declaring that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit where sons and daughters will prophesy and declare truths and function in spiritual gifts. This moment is significant because without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, they will not have the power to start the church, to withstand temptation, to be crucified upside down, tortured and beaten. They won't have the power to start something that we're still living in. That moment... That experience with God's spirit changed the course of history. And for you, when you have experiences with God's spirit, it will not only change the course of your history and your future, but it will leave legacy where people will still talk about how God used you long after you're gone. The Christian life, not meant for the same old, boring old, struggle old, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to see clearly. I'm not going to know miracles. That is not what God intended. God intended way more for you. And I believe that experience is within the experience of his spirit. And that Pentecost moment can happen for you and in you today. That's where you say, amen, pastor. Amen. What I love about this moment too, and I just want to bring this out and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of wrap us up, but is, is as the spirit comes, you've got all these different people from different places. You've got young, old, you've got women, you've got men, you've got poor, you, you, you have well off. You have people who spent a lot of time in close proximity with Jesus, some people who didn't. And what's powerful is as they begin to speak in different languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance, and the community beyond them in that moment hears them because the community in that moment is declaring that they're drunk because it's nine in the morning and someone has to remind them that nobody speaks pure great affluent languages because they're drunk and also it's the AM. What happens in that moment is Peter, who really honestly just previously had denied Jesus and of course during his time after the resurrection appears to him and they reconnect and he repents and all the good things. But it's not long before Peter is foolish and failing that then the spirit comes on him in this moment. He gets up, he preaches a sermon and 3,000 people give their life to Jesus and the church grows by the thousands. I think it's powerful because honestly, I'm a little bit jealous of this moment. I'm like... Okay, here they are waiting on God, not worried about getting to lunch, not, not worried about hurrying their kids out of kids ministry, not worried about what park they're going to or what beach they're going to that day. Whatever it is, here they are waiting on God. God comes and they begin to invite and speak another language, other people and people, 3,000 of them cut to the heart, give their lives to Jesus and the church begins. I wonder what would happen 
in our body right here in Philadelphia. We're always believing God for revival. Oh, if we can launch another site. Oh, if we can get a building. Oh, if we can get our friend to come. Oh, if we can get mom and dad to come. Oh, if we can get brother to come. Oh, if I can get spouse to come. Oh, if I can get sissy to come. It'll be all right. Well, yes, true. All those things, true. But more than any of that, if I can get you to experience the Holy Spirit, I just wonder if a fire would be so ablaze in you that everywhere you go, everything you did, everybody you touched would experience Jesus also. And maybe we wouldn't have to worry so much about raising money because God would have already convicted your hearts. Maybe we wouldn't have to worry so much about us getting property because people we're engaged with are going, wow, I've got to give that away. Or God opens the doors because he can trust us because what he wants to pour out over us is so big and so great. I don't know, but I would love to see my church full of God's spirit. I'd love to see some of the same struggles stop. I'd love to see you go from glory to glory. I'd love for you to graduate from trial to stuff and start eating meat of the kingdom. How do we experience this? Well, part of what I want to get into tonight, but I want to say that you can have an experience with the Holy Spirit in your car, on the subway, at home. You just have to seek Jesus for him but I I need to teach the doctrine of the three baptisms for a moment. This is what I believe. This is what I think I see in the scriptures. This is what I know I see in the scriptures. Some of us might disagree slightly with this, and I don't think this is a reason to leave the church over. If I wasn't teaching Christ and Christ crucified, if I was teaching heresy around biblical sexuality, if I wasn't teaching the historic tenets of Christianity, well then... I would encourage you to go elsewhere. But there's some nuance here that maybe some believers differ on and I think we can have charity in that. But here's what I see in the scriptures. I see the doctrine of three baptisms. What are they? Here's the first one. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the first one. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is that? Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit It's repentance. It's salvation. It's what you didn't deserve, but somehow God saw fit that you should get it. Uh, It's amazing grace. It's you so dead in your sin, not knowing where to go, what to do, and how to get there. And the Holy Spirit finding you and taking you and immersing you into Jesus and his church. I have this sponge and this is a fresh sponge. But a lot of us before Christ, we were a crunkled, crunkled and crumpled. We were crumpled, sorry. We were messed up. We were were ripped up. We were nasty. We were dirty. We were smelly. We were used. We were all the things. And when in a moment, the Bible says that he makes us a new creation when you receive him, when you believe in your heart, when you declare and confess that Jesus is Lord, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what you were or what you looked like in a moment, you are a fresh, spotless, new creation. That's a promise. Guys, we could not earn that. We could not buy that. 
That is the baptism of the Spirit. A better example. I had someone reach out to me this week. We are, we are related, but we do not have much relationship. They know I'm a pastor. That's about it. Never been to one of my things. Never been to one of my events. Never, nothing about the gospel at all. Far from it. And they call me this week and they go, stuff is going on in my life. I need to know who Jesus Christ is. What must I do to be safe? I mean, that's basically how the convo went. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, that is the baptism of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws you. You can't find God. God finds you. You hear a sermon, you're going, oh my gosh, my heart is softened. Like, like you are dead in your sin. And for some reason, God wanted you and raised you from the dead. That is the baptism of the spirit. God makes us new when we believe and confess. It's like, man, nothing better than that. When you confess Jesus and he becomes your Lord, you get Jesus. You get God, you get his spirit. Amen. The next step though is the second baptism, which is baptism in water. Baptism in water. Friends, I'm so excited to report this to you at all of our locations, but over the last several months, last few months, we've baptized over 70 people. Can we give God a praise? Amen. Baptism in water is simply partnership with the Holy Spirit because he finds them we proclaim the word. People say, I need Jesus. They get in a tank and they're baptized by man. And it is symbolic. And you see this in Ephesians. The old is gone, right? I'm being buried. My old self in the grave. When I come up, I'm a new creator. It's, it's wedding day. It's symbolic. It's significant. It's the second baptism. And that's why those days are so powerful you're brought in by the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, then baptized by water and water by man. But there is a third baptism that I'm talking about. I believe there, there is an additional experience or experiences that I would call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you look at Matthew chapter three, verse 11, I want to read it to you. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Ready? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He says this before the upper room where there's tongues of fire on their head. It's fascinating because you see this in all four gospels making the same statement. You see it in Luke 3, John 1. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2 actually mentions the doctrine of baptisms. And I could go back through the three feasts and connect the three baptisms. It's amazing what the word of God does, but I'll recap this for you. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 16. They send Peter and John to them. Samaria. They prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's interesting. When Peter gets up to preach, after they receive the Spirit, three things happen. He says to them, repent, 
turn from your sin. Not 360, but 180. A lot of people, what they do, listen to me, a lot of people confess, right? I'm believing on God, but they do a 360. I'm gonna keep living my life. I'm just gonna say Jesus is with me. That's not repentance. That's you feeling good in a moment. Repent. Then he says, be baptized in water. Then he says, receive the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? Hey, right now I'm preaching. You are compelled. You are being baptized of the Spirit. Then be baptized in water. Then be baptized in the Spirit. Now, if those three things happen in different order, two and three, where you receive the Holy Spirit before you get in water, I don't think that's the end of the world. It's not common, but it, I believe, is possible because God knows what he wants. But I do believe there's a separate baptism in the Spirit. And I want to illustrate it for you because, again, if your life is a sponge, and it is, because every week I get the notification of how much time I spend on my phone. And I'm just sponging what I'm reading, what I'm looking at, what I'm listening to. Your life is a sponge. And the problem is, is again, you have Jesus. I receive him as Lord and Savior. I'm going to heaven. Book me a ticket. But you've not activated or you've not had his spirit be activated in your life. And so you fall for anything. You're a believer, but veils have not come off your eyes. And so what happens is, is you, I'm a Christian, but I really don't know how to live victoriously. I'm immersed in the same old culture that left me dead and gone. And so what happens is, is you're sponged in media, you're sponged up in bad relationships, you're sponged up in the same sin and the same pornography. And what happens is, is when life squeezes you, it's still the same old dirty water coming out. Because yes, you were saved and you were new, but you went back to the same stuff. There, there's no victory in your life. You're like, why do I keep getting with the same crazy guys over and over again? You know what this, you know what June is? June is Pride Month. And I know there are a lot of LGBTQ folks in and around. We're connected to people. We all know people. And we got people in our church working this out, walking it out. What does it mean? So there's a lot of grace for that. I understand that. But some of us were like, we, we're rocking a pride shirt. We got rainbows from, from, from uh, head to toe. And, and we think, oh, it's loving. No, you can love people, but not affirm sin. We are celebrating a month of pride, which is the darkest, deepest sin that leads people astray. And what happens is, is when we are not immersed in the Holy Spirit, we are confused. We are not seeing things the way Jesus does. And so then what we do is we go on confusing people and say, no, you're fine. You're good. You're good. You're good. No, you're, no you, are, you are immersed in the culture of the world. And yes, you have Jesus and you're probably making it to heaven. But what kind of legacy of life are you leaving? You're pouring out dirty water because that's what you're baptized in. You're baptized in the world. And that's why this is another experience where it's like, no, I must go and wait on God because I need him to transform me and change me. I'm tired of the same old struggle. I'm tired of not producing fruit. I'm tired of living a life that's not purposeful. I'm tired of li 
I just, I, I want change. I need my family to change. And I want when I get around people, I want what happened to Peter where he is pouring out and people are drinking the fruit. And of the H2O of my life, when I am immersed by his spirit, hungry for God, gifts are flowing from me. I'm beginning to prophesy. I'm beginning to declare. I look different. I sound different. Somebody, that my life means something. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? If I'm weird, I'm weird. It's supernatural. Honestly, this culture, this culture's, I'd rather be weird that way where I'm like, you know what? I don't watch that stuff anymore. I'm watching Netflix. I feel a check in my spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't want me to watch that anymore. Oh, you're weird. You know what? The world is literally falling apart. It is up in a blazing smoke of fire. If you're not, if you don't see that, you're immersed in this. I rather, I rather have the blazing fire and water of Jesus flowing from my life to where it doesn't matter what happens to me. Because if the resurrection is true, if the Holy Spirit is real, it's all going to be okay. And I'm going to live a life of incredible adventure. And when my life is squeezed, when I'm under pressure, I have his voice. He'll never leave me or forsake me. I've got the Spirit. You can seek the Spirit anytime you want. You can seek him with us later at a prayer table. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.